The reading is from Joshua, chapter 5, verse 13, through to chapter 6, verse 20. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March round the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Make seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march round the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets... Make the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and make seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march round the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forwards, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried round the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forwards marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day they marched round the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day they got up at daybreak and marched round the city seven times in the same manner except that on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time round, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things, 
so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Steve, for the longest reading in history. Um, But maybe that's appropriate in story week. So we started with a joke two weeks ago. We're going to have a story, almost certainly one of those preacher stories that aren't true, but stuff it, you can listen to it anyway. So there was a husband and wife who invited their pastor over to dinner. And they had a lovely evening. And a couple of times they, they both left the room to help with the cooking and the pastor was left alone. And then they said goodbye and they went to do the washing up. And when they were doing the washing up, they noticed one of their spoons was missing. And they checked absolutely everywhere, but it wasn't there. And they became convinced. That pastor has stolen our spoon. And they couldn't let it go, but they didn't want to ask him either. And they couldn't let it go, but they didn't want to ask him. And so a whole year went past, and they thought, we'll have him over for dinner again. And so they had him over for dinner. And they couldn't resist. And they said, Pastor, we've just got to ask you something. Last time you were over, did you steal our spoon? And he said, no, I did not steal your spoon. Well, they said, well, where's our spoon? It's in your Bible. I put it in your Bible. (laughs) Boom. See, see that, you won't forget that now. Also, the truly holy would just go, ah, well, I read one of my other 13 with concordances, but not that one, Pastor. So just watch out. Sylvia and I will be after your uh, silverware next time we're around. (laughs) But the theme this week is God's stories. So just to take you up to where we've come from, both in the Bible and in the sermon series. We started by looking at how to read. That very basic thing, but I think we still learned a little bit. And then last week, as Heather said, we looked at the law. That first bit that you normally sum those first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, up as the law. And now we move into a phase of God's stories. Some of it looks a little bit like this kind of thing. Some of it looks a little bit just like history lists. But this is one of his stories that we're looking today. And where does it come in the Bible? Where it comes after Moses has gone through that wilderness time with the Israelites and then he's passed on the Israelites and the care of them to go into the promised land to Joshua. So that is where we are in the story and that is where we are in the book. But before we begin, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the reminder this morning that, Holy Spirit, it is you who breathes on the words of this book. Without you, they wouldn't have been written, and without you, they wouldn't still be alive today. So I pray that you would speak through all the words. And Jesus, would you come alive in our hearts this morning? Amen. 
Um, so this is a theme that we're going to keep coming back to. Our stories are God's stories, and God's stories are our stories. Do you know how powerful stories are? It is a fundamental thing that makes us human. If you think about it, if we ignore the fact that we've got a soul, I know this is heresy and Sylvia's out, so I'm not preaching heresy while she's out. We have a soul, my soul loves Jesus, I am totally happy with that. But just putting that aside for the moment, science tells us that none of the cells and the molecules in our body are the same from one day to the next. They're constantly changing. And we also know that if you were to clone me right now and it had a perfect imprint of my memories in this second, that that wouldn't be me either. So what makes us us, apart from our soul? It is the story that has made us, the progression of events, how we've overcome difficulties, the things that make us happy, the things that we remember not to do again, the things that we choose to do again. We are storytelling beings. We love a good story. If I ask you now to think about some of Jesus' teachings, apart from maybe the Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer, you're probably thinking of his parables, because a parable is a story. It helps things to stick in our heads. And we all do this in speech, because it invites us to enter into someone else's world. So I bet you've all done this this week in some form. You've tried to explain something or how you felt by telling a micro story. We all do this, we say, we try and explain. And you know when you don't get the right emotions out of someone? They're not giving you what you wanted. You go, no, no, no. What it felt like was, I was this king and there's this opposing army. We do this in speech to help people enter into our world. Or we simply say a really micro story, like it felt like the whole world did this and I felt like this. Stories are what makes us human. They are so, so powerful because they work on more than one level. If we just have one line that says, do not do something, then that tells us a certain amount. But if we put it in story form, it will speak to generations forever and ever. And I think that God knew this. And I think that's why the Bible is full of his stories, because they speak on so many levels. So we had fruit two weeks ago, nice, nice fruit, peach and coconuts. Today you get an onion, all right? Imagine an onion. And like those layers, we're going to unwrap today's stories and see how it speaks. So we've got one that you probably, most of you know quite well, the fall of Jericho. On that first layer of the onion, we have a people's narrative. We have a victory story for Israel. We have a foundation story, if you like. They thought that this was an important enough story from the history of conquests to include in one of their books for all time. It tells us something about why that people group wanted to do that at that time. It tells them something about what their values were. It tells them something about their history. It tells of a great and a glorious victory. And we could just stop there. It's just a historical story. But it isn't. We all know that it's more than that. 
let's look at the next picture. It tells us something about God. Have you read this victory story? It's a pretty weird way to go about claiming a victory. There aren't any swords involved. There's a lot of walking around, and there's a lot of shouting, and there's a lot of declaring. But there's a lot of trusting in God. And there's a lot of calling down his presence in a situation. So what does that tell us about God? Already in our next layer, it's told us something about Israel and what they want to convey. It's told us something about our God and who he is and what his values are and what he is looking for. So already we've got that layer. And then we go down to the third layer. Us. How does a story still speak to us today in a way that sometimes just a sentence of words or a law, they can still speak, don't get me wrong, but it speaks in a new and different way every time we read it. And when we're confronted with these stories, we know there's a historical context to take, as we talked about two weeks ago, but we know and love the God behind it. So we know that he has something to tell us today. So what can this story say to us today, even as many thousands of years later? Here are some of the things that I pulled out. You may pull out more. Be mad. Had to put that one in there. You know me, slightly bonkers. It's like a free bonus point on be mad. Do you ever kind of feel that your life doesn't look like this in Joshua? Sometimes I do. My life doesn't really look like I see an angel of the Lord turning up every day and the commander of the Lord's army is just being like, this is so what you need to do on Tuesday afternoon, bang, 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 bang. And I thought about this when I was reading it and I thought, if you want to meet the Lord like this, do something crazy, please. Step out of your comfort zone and I guarantee that if you have to do something crazy, you're going to find him. If you want to meet him, do something that scares you. I did something that scares me yesterday I prayed for someone out on the street for healing. Tell you, you pretty much feel Jesus right in the moment of that one. If you want to meet God, do something crazy. That's like point A. You know, not like crazy crazy, but crazy for him. All right. So then when we get into the story, what does it have to say? Be redirected, looking towards him. So he was completely focused on his problem. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? So his whole world was orbiting the problem. I've got this battle to fight. I've got this city to conquer. I need to just focus. Jesus, this is what I want. Or God, in a sense. But how much is that like our prayer life? Jesus, this is what I want. This is what I really, really need. And our whole life orbits that problem. And when we don't see what we want, we go, well, are you on my side, God, or are you on the side of the person who's really annoying me? And then what does the commander of the angel of the Lord go? He goes, neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Be redirected towards his face. And I know that this is my life message. And, you know, you hear Sylvia bang on about unity all the time. And I bang on about the presence of God all the time. But it's because it 
changes things. And I mean, that's not a battle strategy, is it? If you've got to conquer a city in the natural, the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Why? I don't, I don't think that any commander or military strategist in the world would say that that is the way to start. But it's the way that our God starts. What he looks for is radical holiness. It looks like a God who pursues us so much. It looks like a God who wants to meet us. And it's like a God who does not want us to take a single step, whether it's a big decision or a little one, without knowing that we start it from a place of his presence. And then he goes out, but he goes out full. He goes out knowing what the words of the Lord are. And you know, it's a little bit like an essay, this passage for poor Steve, I felt. You know when you get taught that at school? Say what you're going to do, say what's going to happen, say how you've done it, and say how you did it. But it's going in one direction. He had to keep being obedient. And he had to keep on the promise and the path that the Lord had given him. The writer of the message, Eugene Peterson, called Christianity a long obedience in the same direction. To put aside all these shoddy ideas of quick discipleship, quick fix, Instagrammable Christianity. I said, keep being obedient. Because have you ever thought how weird this is? You know, on day one, you might be kind of like, all right. The Lord has told me to walk around the city. Everyone's going to be looking out of the towers and of the windows, thinking, who are these nutters? But we'll do this on day one, because we feel full of the Lord. And even on day two. And we know the end of the story, so we can be like, yeah, we know what's coming. The city was going to fall. It's all good. But day five and day six of doing this stuff, I wonder how obedient they felt. Did every single soldier know that was the plan? I don't know. It's pretty odd. But keep being obedient. Even when you do not see the fruit, if you know what God has called you to do, he is faithful and he will get you there. But you need to continue to be obedient, even in the strangest plans and in the most difficult times. And then I don't know if you're like me, but you thought that the ending was rather strange. Many of the books of the Bible do this. Have you ever noticed that? Jonah is a wonderful story, and everything kind of like it's redeemed and it's sorted. And then Jonah in verse 6 goes off and has a massive sulk. And you think, is this sorted? And this is sort of rather strange. And the way I sum this up is, be free. Let's read that end bit again. So the city came down. And then it said, the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who were with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go to his treasury. And then that actually continues in a rather violent way. And you're just thinking, Lord, you've done this wonderful miracle for them. They've followed you. They're full of your presence. They've gone with you. They've done what you've asked. And then you've put some more restrictions on them. And you've said that they mustn't do this. And actually, there's a lot of killing involved if you continue to read it. 
And, you, and obviously we know that as Christians, that actually sometimes what happens in the Old Testament, in the physical, is carried over into the spiritual in the New Testament. So we're not looking to kill our enemies, but we are realizing that we are in a spiritual battle. And this sense of being free from the things that hold us. So when we go into a city, we can be like, yes, this is the thing that I have been longing for. This has happened. The Lord has been with me. And then we turn away from the one we love. And we turn away from our original love. And we get distracted by so many things. And this is why this passage is reminding us, let those things go. Do not be part of those things. And even when you've won a massive victory... Keep close to the Lord. And it reminds me of the story, for some reason, of what happened with Soul Survivor. You know, the huge youth conference that finished last year after 25 years, I think. And they got to a point in about the, I think it was the late 90s, when they were really popular. Amazing youth events. People were coming. And the leader, Mike Peravacci, he said to some of his guys and the others leading with him, he said, this isn't right. We've got to stop. The Lord isn't in it. We've got young people um, coming because they love our events and they love the quality of them. And it looks like we've got the best youth work in the world. But I don't feel the Lord is in it. And they weren't really sure what it was on about. And so he sat them down and they had one session. And all it was was worship. And I'm pretty sure that that's the song, coming, coming Back to the Father. That song came out of that. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And then out of that place of remembering what it was to let all of those things that weren't important go and come back to him, Soul Survivor then continued with this amazing presence of God ministry that they've had for the last 20 years. Because they looked and said, we've had a success, but is it a success that was truly built on the Lord? So these are the points just from this story. And because it's a story, and because it's so beautiful, I wonder what ones you yourself drew out. But all stories have that capacity, yet there's something else with God's stories. So let's learn some Hebrew. Are you ready? I didn't put the Hebrew letters in. It's not school. I put a chalkboard on, but it's not really school. This is the Hebrew word for testimony, eduth which is a, pretty much the same word as the story, isn't it? We're telling our story of what God did with us. And it's very Christianese a testimony, isn't it? Oh, what is your testimony, brother? This is my testimony, sister. But all you're doing is telling the story of how God has worked in you. But this word has an older root. It comes from the root ud. And that means to return, to repeat, to do it again. So what are you doing when you tell a story, you are inviting God to return, to repeat, to do it again. Because your stories have power. And like in this passage, the commander of the armies of the Lord did it in partnership with Joshua. And do you ever get that in prayer? Sometimes you're like, Lord, do this thing. I really need you to do this thing. And I really feel for the poor. And Lord, I pray for the poor. And would you do something? And then you realize that God turns that prayer back on you. And he goes with you, just like the commander of the armies of the Lord. But you have to do the going. But then you have a story of you and God walking together. And it's no longer here and here. It's like here and here 
going together on a different path. And then you have to do what? You have to open your mouth. And when you open your mouth and tell that story, people can disagree with facts. Actually, people don't really like facts, but they can't disagree with your story. So if you have a story of, this is my brokenness, but this is how I met Jesus in it. This was my happiness, and this is how I celebrated it with the Lord. This was a time when I came to a problem, and I didn't know what to do. And I met Jesus in it, and he showed me. Then every time you voice that, you are giving God permission to do it again. And now I'm going to tell you a really weird story. And this has happened before, on the weeks that I've preached on, Things that I've been preaching about have then happened in the week. Really, really worry if I ever preach on the end times. <laughs> or rejoice, Jesus is coming back, so you know. Um, I had planned here to include a testimony. And that's all it was going to be. I was going to share a testimony from someone in this church that I wrote down on Wednesday. Then it happened to me on Friday night. So let's read the testimony. And this is someone who has said that I'm happy to share it. She wrote it with me on Wednesday. And it is from Courtney, who's 20, and she came up a couple of weeks ago. She's not here today, but she came up a couple of weeks ago to share how she became a Christian. So this is her story from just after that. Two Sundays ago, I became a Christian after praying a prayer with Sylvia at evening worship. I then sat at the back for a little bit and slowly felt a feeling of extreme warmth in my heart that wasn't the temperature in the room and started crying. It lasted for about five minutes. I felt peace, like everything was good, lifted up and light, and that I didn't have to worry about anything. Since then, I don't feel as low as I used to, and I am worshipping at home in my room. Isn't that amazing? And thank you to Courtney for having the courage to share that. And that is an experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And her parents are here and her sister, and she would testify that when I met them, when she first told me about this experience, I said, okay, that's clearly what it is, but actually, that's something that I've never experienced in the Holy Spirit. I felt like I've been kicked in the chest, I've shaken on the floor, I've laughed my head off. I've never actually felt really, really abominably warm. <laughs> you know where this is going now, don't you? Um, on Friday night, I hadn't even written this because you know me, I'm last minute Annie. I was praying, it was like midnight, and this unbelievable warmth shot through my feet all the way through me for five minutes. I was completely boiling, completely shaking, and somehow me preaching on the fact that stories give permission for God to do it again, happened in my life, in this church. I find that hilarious. At least half of you do. God is good. He repeats his stories. He gives permission. I did not expect that to happen. I just wanted to tell you a really great testimony from Courtney. And God was just like, nah. It was funny, and it was wonderful, and... I, you know, I can't say that I know exactly why or the wherefore, but I think it was just God reminding me of the truth of this. So now that this is my story, this is another way in which I've experienced him. So praise God that Courtney had the confidence to share it. And I want us to become a church that is known for this. Our stories are God's stories, and God's stories are our stories. 
So to that end, I want us to make a lot more of testimony as a church, and it's not just me, Sylvia does know I'm saying this and has okayed this, that on the fourth Sunday, we are going to use our Instagram more to share stories, to share testimonies. We want people to know that we are a church that believes that God moves today, and your testimony can be anything, as long as the Lord's in it. And so to do that, at the back, if you will go that way to that corner, there is now a testimony wall shaped like the River Jordan, which comes from the passage just before this one. Um, Let's just read it. It's from Joshua 4, if you've still got your Bibles open. The end of Joshua 4. In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. And so the idea that they had and that we have is that they built up stones on the bank to remind their children, themselves, but also their children and their children's children of the promises and the faithfulness of God. It was a story that continued and for people in their own times to remember that. And so we want to do that. We want to share testimonies more and we want to get them out there to Hampton. So please, at any point, if you're dropping in during the week after Sunday service, there's pens and there's stones. Write on it, just simple. It doesn't need to be a long story and they're not big stones. And pin it on the boards. And we want to tell some of these as the Sundays go on and on Instagram as well. Because here's the final picture to close with. He who promised is faithful. That's what you're saying when you tell a God story. You're saying, this is where I was, I didn't see this, I didn't know this, but I trusted that he is faithful, and this is how he met me. This is how he came and saved me. This is how he came and lifted me up out of something. He who promised is faithful. Your story matters, so open your mouth and share it. And just as proof, how did I start this talk? What was the story about? Yell it at me. Spoons! You remembered! If I'd started with the phrase, read your Bible, 1% of you would remember. But now you won't forget, because stories are powerful. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you surprise us. I thank you that you are crazy and wild and go beyond our wildest dreams and imaginations. Lord, I thank you that every single person here has a story of some sort to tell of your faithfulness. Lord, I thank you that when we tell our stories, it just gives you permission to do it again and again. So Lord, I do pray for a breakthrough in having the confidence to share those stories, whether written or in person, with those we love. Jesus, I thank you that This book is full of your stories and they speak to us today. But Lord, would we also be a living Bible as we go out? Would this place be full of your stories? Would they teach us to love you more and bring glory to you, Jesus? Amen.